on biophysical examination, he was moderately obese, of average height, and powerful looking like a buffalo. His eyes looked both frightened and sad, and appeared to be immobile or frozen. My impression was that the anxiety of travel and the renal colic intensified his underlying loneliness, bringing up deeper feelings of intolerable despair and anxiety. Welcome to In Contact with the ACO. I'm Dr. Chris Burrett. This presentation features the care of a patient by one of the ACO doctors who practices a different kind of psychiatry. There's a new case presented live each month at the ACO campus in Princeton, New Jersey. These are real patients, but their privacy is protected. Each podcast episode is from the recording of one of these presentations. If you're interested in attending, you can meet the doctors and join in on the discussion afterwards. You can connect with us and learn more at a different kind of psychiatry.com. In this episode, Dr. Alberto Foglia discusses two cases of panic attack treatment. One important point that he demonstrates is that panic is not a diagnosis, but rather a symptom. And so no two cases of panic should be treated the same. Each person needs individualized therapy. In today's episode, I'll play just one of the highlighted questions that was asked during the discussion that followed the presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, today I want to present to you two patients with panic attacks I have treated years ago. I think that they are a good example of the efficacy of medical organ therapy in these kind of disturbances. In present day, in present day psychiatry, panic attack is considered to be a diagnostic entity in and of itself. It is characterized by sudden terror accompanied by vegetative symptoms such as tachycardia, rapid heartbeat, trembling, profuse sweating, chills, vertigo, shortness of breath, and chest pain. Panic attacks can occur several times daily, weekly, or at longer intervals. Patient 1, a 40-year-old businessman businessman came to therapy complaining of depression, hypochondrial fears, chronic anxiety, and panic attacks. In these attacks, he experienced diffuse muscle pains, vertigo, and a feeling of heaviness in his head. He began experiences, experiencing these symptoms during a trip to southern Italy, about one year before coming for consultation. The patient reported that every vacation was traumatic, causing him to feel extremely homesick and lonely. During this particular trip, however, he developed the acute painful symptoms associated with kidney stone. The dilapidated hospital to which he was taken only intensified his homesickness and anxiety. The flank pain persisted for several days, and it was from this point on that he suffered chronic anxiety and periodic panic attacks. His past medical history included hypertension since his 20s, 
at consultation, his blood pressure was 160 over 110. Normal is considered a maximum, a maximum of 140 over 85. On biophysical examination, he was moderately obese, of average height, and powerful looking like a buffalo. His eyes looked both frightened and sad, and appeared to be immobile or frozen. My impression was that the anxiety of travel and the renal colic intensified his underlying loneliness, bringing up deeper feelings of intolerable despair and anxiety. In the first therapy session, I asked the patient to scream while kicking. He did it pretty well and enjoyed it somehow. After doing so, he relaxed. His blood pressure dropped to within an, a normal range and an expression of sadness appeared on his face. For the next year and a half, approximately 20 sessions, treatment focused primarily on pointing, on pointing out his intolerance and fear of his sadness. Thereafter, I had him visually track a moving pen light, accompanied by soft pressure on the thorax and empathic support to accept his deep feelings of sadness. This permitted him to discharge large amounts of repressed emotion through sobbing and crying. With this, the panic attacks slowly disappeared, and his depressed mood improved considerably. During the 51st session, the release of sadness was accompanied by a childhood memory. Sobbing deeply, he recalled that as a child he was extremely affectionate and sentimental, while his father remained cold and distant. This recollection, with the concomitant re-experiences, re-experiencing uh, re of the emotions held in him from childhood, brought him a deeper understanding and appreciation of his childhood and the misery he had felt. Now, that's back in 1995, having had 53 sessions over a three-year period, this patient's panic attacks have disappeared, and his blood pressure is consistently normal. There are some occasional complaints of anxiety, accompanied by increased muscular tension in the chest area. This tension is easily eliminated by eliciting crying with eye tracking and or by light pressure on his chest. This is accompanied by his recognizing and tolerating his mounting sadness. No medications were used in his treatment. The medication he was taking for high blood pressure was able to be tapered down and discontinued. Patient 2, a 30-year-old male bank manager presented for treatment, of for treatment of recurrent panic attacks and significant depressive states with chronic complaining and uh, dissatisfaction with life. He had been in good health until seven years before, when a sudden rapid heartbeat with panic occurred, accompanied by muscular tension in the left arm and the left sternocleidomastoid muscle, this muscle here. 
Since then, his panic attacks occur periodically or every one or two months. Recently, he had left his girlfriend and moved to the town where he grew up <coughs> to pursue a seemingly attractive job offer. However, it turned out that the job was not as, as had been promised, and living in the vicinity of his parents reactivated previously dormant feelings of rage and inferiority. Also, as time passed, he experienced longing for his girlfriend. The episodes of rapid heartbeat were at first infrequent and the panic attacks followed, growing more severe over a period of several months. The patient was tall and thin. When examined on the couch, his stringy musculature had poor tone. His eyes were retracted in their sockets and revealed a fearful expression. His mouth appeared depressed and his lips were thin. Respirations were superficial and his voice gravely. Appearing superficially as a diligent good boy, he was in fact quite critical and negative. Every time I suggested that he do something like breathe, roll his eyes or kick, he became politely oppositional and refused to follow my directions. I, he felt I was authoritarian and critical of him. This led him to discharge large amounts of sobbing related to his feeling of not being understood. He reported after three sessions having had a new episode of panic, but without rapid heartbeat and with sudden intrusive thoughts of violence and suicide. These were accompanied by the usual neck muscles tension. Over the course of 20 sessions for a period of about one year, I continually pointed out this superficial trait of diligence. He responded with despair, sobbing and crying for almost entire sessions. This was followed each time by great relief. Slowly, over this year, his panic attacks disappeared. They were replaced by periods of sadness and crying that the patient was able to express in his sessions as well as at home. Over the next months, it became, increasing, it became increasing, increasingly clear that rage was hidden behind his tears. In the 23rd session, I pointed out again his diligence and critical attitude relentlessly, and his increasing oppositional attitude gave way to overt rage. He loudly protested, I am a free man, I don't like to be ordered around. With this, he began to sob deeply, remembering how his mother had always ordered him around and that never allowed him to be free. He became aware that the severe muscular tension in his neck muscles, present during all his past panic attacks, began to be felt emotionally as a defensive or aggressive posture when he elevated his arm, like that. Over the course of treatment, the patient improved notably. The panic attacks have stopped completely and he feels much more satisfied with his life. No medication were used in his treatment. Conclusion, 
Two cases of patients with panic attack have been presented. Both achieved marked improvement with medical organ therapy. This method of treatment dissolved characterological and muscular armor. This led to improved emotional contact, which in turn facilitated the discharge of long repressed emotions. The release of repressed fear, sadness and anger from the eyes, face, neck and chest resulted in the elimination of the patient's troubling symptoms. Why is it that some people uh, who are extremely anxious experience panic at attacks and other people don't? Is there some type of characteristic or circumstance mm -hmm. that in some people, I mean, you know, I experienced anxiety. I don't, I've never had like panic attacks, but I don't know why, you know. It's this article is 1995, so it's yeah. pretty old. In meantime, I have treated many other patients and I have the sense that panic attack comes from explosive way of keeping uh, emotions hidden. So it can be rage, it can be uh, despair, it can be crying, but they have an explosive uh, quality. Because they've been held back for so long? Or and they were very strong. They were the very, very strong, strong or yeah. very sudden uh, blocked. Yeah. So I don't know exactly what made this explosiveness, yeah. but that I think the characteristic. Not only did Dr. Folia treat the panic attacks of these two patients, but their hypertension resolved. Have you ever heard of that? He showed that with this unique therapy, he was able to get to the patient's underlying feelings and with emotional expression, dissolve the conflict behind the panic attacks. What do you think about these cases? Have you ever considered that anxiety is actually the effect of another blocked emotion? How do you feel after hearing about this treatment? We are interested in your questions and comments. If you like our work, be sure to subscribe and leave a favorable rating. Find more episodes at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts. Be sure to check out our next episode, which features Dr. Peter Christ discussing the treatment of a young girl who had a tremendous amount of life in her, but also terror. After I finished with the parents, and once Lucia and I were by ourselves in the treatment room, I said, let me see that unhappy face again. That wasn't an unhappy face. That was a disgruntled face. This is an unhappy face. She made a face with the corners of her mouth turned down and a sad look in her eyes. This is a disgruntled face. She frowned, her bottom lip puffed out in a pout, and frustration and disappointment showed in her eyes. Clearly different from the unhappy face. Is she really just six? What were you disgruntled about? I don't like being alone in the waiting room. Of course, but what is it you don't like? It's so quiet. I don't like being in all that quiet. Since 1968, the psychiatrists affiliated with the American College of Ergonomy have been helping patients discover greater satisfaction, health, and overall well-being in their lives. Whether patients suffer with mental illness, struggle with addiction, or feel unsatisfied with their work lives or relationships. Medical organ therapy, as practiced by the physicians at the ACO, offers a way forward, often without the use of medication. I'm Dr. Chris Burrett. Thank you for listening to In Contact with the ACO.